0: The Masechet, the tractate of the Talmud that deals with Sukkot, uh, I've always found to be a very challenging tractate. That and Masechet Ervin. Um, for both of these tractates, to, to study them and to really understand them, it almost at times feels like you need an engineering degree. Uh, and there are, are books, fortunately, that are uh, have been created by other scholars that have pictures <laughs> um, to describe everything that's uh, being taught about in the book, which has always made it a little bit easier for me. Uh, Masechet Sukkot, about half of the tractate, deals with the building of a, of a sukkah. Um, very detailed, um, very, uh, lots of measurements, uh, lots of discussion of what is kosher, uh, what you can use uh, in terms of building materials, and what you can't use. And then the other half of the masechet um, almost exclusively exclusively deals with the lulav and the etrog. Um, and so it's like, you know, for this one holiday, we have a whole masechet of Talmud uh, providing us with guidance both into the building of the sukkah and into the um, arba minim, the lulav and the etrog, and what constitutes um, appropriate... Uh, examples of that. Um, Unlike other structures that are built in the world, however, the building, the the rules for the construction of the sukkah are not only dictated by engineers uh, and by architects. It's also dictated by spiritual values. And in fact, in the opening uh, verse of the opening pages, verses of the Talmud, uh, in the very beginning of Masechet Sukkah, we get a sense of those spiritual values and their importance to the building. Uh, the Talmud quotes from the Torah, from Vayikra, "Basukot Teshvu yamim kol haEzrach Israel yeshvu basukot." You shall dwell in the sukkah for seven days. Every citizen of Israel should sit in the sukkah, and then the Gemara explains, "Kol Shivat Hayamim Midirat Keva Veshev B'Dirat Rai." For seven days, we must leave our permanent residence and live in a temporary dwelling. And then it adds a bit of the architectural, engineering, construction elements of how to build a sukkah and what constitutes a kosher kosher sukkah, or in this case, the difference between a permanent residence and a temporary residence. And the Gemara says that any sukkah that is below 20 amot in height um, is considered temporary, but anything above 20 amot is considered permanent. Now, an amah is an ancient unit of measurement, approximately 18 inches from your middle finger to your elbow on an adult person, essentially. So 20 amot is 360 inches or 30 feet. It was just easier for me to do it in, the, um, in, in feet rather than in metrics. Um, so that's, um, that's what an ama is. So anything that is above 30 feet is considered permanent. Anything below 30 feet is considered temporary. Um, and the Talmud goes on, Tanu Rabanan kol shivat yamim, adam oseh keva ubeito ara'i. The sages taught, all seven days of Sukkot, a person renders his sukkah his permanent residence and his house his temporary residence. So this is what's strange about these directions for the sukkah. On the one hand, the the gemara begins with a distinction between what makes a sukkah temporary versus permanent, 30 feet. And then on the other hand, it says that we have to make during the days of Sukkot the sukkah our permanent residence um, and our permanent residence our temporary residence. Um, And it goes on to explain how you do that, which I won't get into now because I'm not interested in that um, for what's on my mind for this morning. Um, The the question that Emma Katz asks, uh, writing for a a series known as Torah to Go, uh, which comes out of the Yeshiva University Center for the Jewish Future, Uh, Emma Katz um, asks a question which is, why is the impermanence of the sukkah such an essential part of its construction? Um, why is the, the 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 details and the distinctions of the impermanence of the sukkah so important to its construction? Um, Rav Zadok um, notes uh, a redundancy in. Sukkoto keva ubeito arai, in this notion that the sukkah becomes permanent and the house becomes temporary. Um, And what he teaches is that a sukkah is a metaphor for our relationship with this world. Uh, We have to recognize the fleeting nature of our material world. And the sukkah functions, therefore, as a spiritual space within a transient world where we can divest from physicality and connect to what is really important and eternal. Um, Rav Eliyahu Dessler takes us a a step forward and says that everything that we think is permanent in our lives is is actually temporary, and we must recognize, therefore, that there's really no permanence in the world this rings for me a little bit of kohelet um, hevel Hevalim, right that everything in the world is is vanity um, and at the end of the day um, all these material goods that we think that we collect that we think are important um, really don't matter uh, the only thing that that matters according to kohelet is softavar hakol nishma um elohim yara um, at the end of of the matter um, it's uh, it 's God that we should um, fear be in awe of et shamor and god 's commandments we should observe and so in this understanding of the impermanence of the sukkah um, by these two uh, rabbis as well as with the overlay of Kohelet, what happens is is that Sukkot helps us to arrive at this understanding. And it forces us to prioritize between what we need and what we may want. And it focuses us, therefore, on a deeper set of values and goals. Now, I, I, I was drawn to this interpretation of the Sukkot of Sukkot and of the building of a sukkah from an article that appeared in the New York Times uh, just a couple days ago on uh, October 11th. Uh, The New York Times has started a new series called It's Never Too Late, and their opening series is entitled It's Never Too Late to Pivot from NFL Safety to Neurosurgeon. Uh, This is um, uh, they, they tell the story of uh, of a former football player, now neurosurgeon, uh, Dr. Myron Roll, who was an an NFL safety. He played. He was on the Titans and and tried to be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and in in college, he was a, a, an excellent safety and football player. And and even for the for the Titans, he was considered to be um, a, a very good athlete, um, very good at um, at, the, at the sport, uh, and all through um, university, he had degrees, uh, he was a Rhodes Scholar um, and uh, studied biology and um, um, something else in uh, science that led him to do that, but football became an opportunity for him, and he really focused at first on a career in football, um, and it didn't work out for him. After three years of uh, being on a team and never playing on the field, um, he was cut. Uh, and he found himself, as, as he says in this article, um, he found himself, without the structure and rigor of a football career, struggling to make sense of what he would become next. Um, thank God he had a good mother. <laughs> uh, and, and fascinatingly about his story, um, he, he described himself as a hot-tempered kid, but at the age of 11, his brother gave him a copy of the book Gifted Hands, which is a book by Dr. Ben Carson, who described how Dr. Carson went from being an inner city youth with poor grades to the director of pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins University Hospital. Um, and this book apparently, like at 11 years old, Myron reads this book and he develops a plan A. Which was football, and a Plan B, which is to be I'm going to be a neurosurgeon, right? You know, you think as 11 years old, it's like I'm going to be an astronaut, <laughs> um, I'm going to be a fireman, uh, you know, I'm going to be a cowboy. No, for uh, Myron, it was I'm going to be a football player or I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. And so his he apparently wrote this down in a notebook too. And so as he's floundering at, from being cut. From, from the Titans. He's trying to figure out what's next. His mother pulls out this journal that he had when he was 11, 12 years old, and she forces him to read what he wrote in it about his plan B. Um, and that inspired him uh, to essentially go to medical school. <laughs> uh, and uh, today, um, he is, um, what is it that his mother said to him? She said, this one's done. And she looked at the second one and said, now we need to do this. And so Dr. Roll is in his sixth year of neuroscience residency at Harvard and at Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, And he writes that those words of encouragement from his mother, her belief in me, her thoughtfulness, her disposition during that moment was just what I needed to move forward to the next chapter of my life. Um, And he goes on, and he, he talks about what do you think propels you forward? And this is what he writes, which is the connection um, to Sukkot and the building of a sukkah. I believe that God placed me for such a time as this to be a beacon of hope, a light, a mentor, and an advocate. I was on the front lines when COVID hit, and I got on TV to speak about black and brown disparities in healthcare. I was placed here to be a father to my four children and a husband to my wife. There's an idea that motivates me, too. There are so many people that sacrifice for me, names that I know, names that I don't know, to be where I am right now, that have given up their lives for me to be able to vote, to have an education, to um, attend certain schools, to have certain jobs, to be able to immigrate to America. It's our job now to repay that debt, with being the best we can be in everything that we do, I take that very, very seriously. So if a sukkah is designed to be that space to help us differentiate between what we need and what we want, if Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and really Sukkot all the way up to Hoshana Rabbah tomorrow is all about helping us to turn inward, to think about who we are and the people we have the possibility yet to become, um, to to teach us exactly what the title of this new series of the New York Times is, which is, it's never too late to make a change in our lives. It's never too late to refocus our attention on what matters most, on the priorities that really matter, um, Then. Here's an example from Myron Roll, a former NFL safety to neurosurgeon, that anything is truly possible, and it's never too late. And if he is taking that seriously, Kavachomer, other more so, should we, who have these holidays that are designed to focus our attention on exactly these values, we should take them seriously too. Shabbat shalom, chag sameach.